Good morning. It's good to see you here today. And it's, I mean, it's a lot warmer, isn't it, than it was last Sunday in here, and we're thankful for our heat. I only have one uh, announcement, and that is that you should have found in the pews some pledge cards uh, this coming uh, Sunday on February the 2nd. At 4 o'clock is our Mission Kids' fifth annual Make a Swish basketball fundraiser. And that's over in the Family Life Center at 4 o'clock next Sunday. And what the way they raise money is from your pledges to the kids who then make baskets and the most baskets they make, you know, that's where you come in. If you pledged a dollar a basket and they make 10 baskets, you pay $10. Anyway, the, the money goes for the school for the deaf and blind. And we are just, uh, this is something the kids love to do. We hope that you'll participate with, uh, with it, both with your pledges and your attendance. That's next Sunday at 4 o'clock in the Family Life Center. Let us begin our worship together.
Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray together. Everlasting God, you brought the people to your light and to the brightness of your rising. Fill the world with your glory and show yourself to all the nations through him who is the true light and the bright and morning star, even Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen.
Let us affirm our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. seating let our children come up at this time. Good morning. Have you been in the store lately? Been in the store? There's something in the store that you see lots of right now about a holiday coming up. And there are cards everywhere, and they're red and pink. Do you? Valentine's Day, that's it, Valentine's Day. I love Valentine's Day. I love all the hearts and the pink and the red. You know, I live in a family with all guys. There's not a lot of pink in my house, okay? Um, so I love Valentine's Day. And the reason I love it is because it's the great day to tell people that you love them and to show them that you love them. And because um, cards tell people things, right? It has words on it. And it tells people things well. Um, do you think that Jesus likes when we tell people that we love them? Yes, I do too. I think he really likes that. But I think he likes it more when not only we tell people that we like them or love them, but when we show them. Do you think he does that? He likes it better when we show them? Because, you know, sometimes people will say things and then... We forget to do those things, don't we? Yeah, I do it. Everybody does it. Your moms, dads, we do. You know, you say, I'm going to be nice to my brother or I'm going to be nice to my sister. And then they make you mad. And you forgot, didn't you? Okay. Well, there's a verse in the Bible, and it's John 4, 14, 15. And it says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And the way we keep God's commandments are by showing love, not just telling about our love, by showing love, by being kind to others, by um, 
doing what you're told the first time, obeying your parents, that's one of your commandments, to honor your father and mother, and um, don't tell lies, and um, do what you're supposed to the first time, and showing respect and love for others. Well, I was at the store this week, and I saw some um, things, uh, some candies and all for Valentine, and they're in these little boxes, and I love these little boxes. And I always have, because it has little messages on them, don't they? And sometimes you can read them, and sometimes they're not. You can't. But I looked at them, and some of them said things like, hug me. Is that a way to show love? Hug somebody? Give somebody a hug? Call me. Is that a way you can show? Call your grandparents or um, a friend that you may know is sad. Call them. Um, giggle. Laugh with people. Be a friend with somebody on the playground. You know, I teach first grade. And every now and then we'll have somebody come up. I'll have a student come up and say, nobody will play with me. And that person's sad, aren't they? So if you see somebody on the playground that looks like nobody's playing with them, maybe go up to them and say, hey, you want to play with me? Okay, that's the way to show love. And that's what God's saying in John fourteen fifteen. He says, Obey my commandments, not just talk about them. Don't tell somebody, oh, I know the commandments. He wants you to obey them. And so um, I wrote on your boxes, I got you each one a box, and it says show, not tell. Show your love for God by doing things for others. And in the next couple of weeks before Valentine's Day, when you walk into the store and you see all those hearts and candy Think about it and think about, hey, maybe I could show somebody my love today by giving them a call or playing with somebody on the playground tomorrow or give my mom and dad a break and not argue with my brother or sister this afternoon or make up my bed or clean up my room. Those are the ways we show God our love for him. Okay? So I want you to try to do that in the next few weeks. I want you to try to do it all the time, but especially in the next two weeks. To show, not just tell, of your love. Okay? All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, please let us show everyone how much we love you by the things we do. Amen. morning. First scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 27, verses 4 through 9, page 865 in your pew Bible. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling, 
He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
we come into our time of prayer, I'd like to uh, lift up a good dear friend of ours who just found out that she has uh, a very aggressive uh, stage, she's in stage two uh, breast cancer. Her name is Ann Armstrong. If y'all remember her in your prayers, I would appreciate it. Let us pray. Oh God, in your mercy, hear the prayers of these thy people. Almighty God, you looked down and saw us as people who walk in darkness. And instead of leaving us there, you sent the light of your Son. And because of that, we know how to live and how to live with you forever. You are indeed a God who calls and saves. And it is the least we can do to sing our praises and lift our songs of thanksgiving to you this day. In your infinite mercy, you have forgiven us. And yet so often we do not act like forgiven. Uh, we do not act like uh, the good children that you call us. We go our own ways. We do things that bring dishonor to ourselves and to you. In your wisdom, you've given us a cross to bear, but instead we act as if we've never heard of it. We act as if we shouldn't be a witness, and we adhere to the foolishness of this world. Oh, Lord, this day, take our good and perfect confession. Hear it and forgive us again. Wash us with the Holy Spirit. Renew us. Help us to be those disciples you've called us to be. And may that same Spirit help us. Help us to listen to each other, to hear and respond to those who are in need. Give us a reliance on your will, not our own. And may we go about our daily task knowing that you are with us, that you shield us, that you hide us from the day of trouble. So we ask this day, O oh Lord, that you would also shield and hide those that are dear to us. We've named many in our prayer list, named with our voices and name in our hearts now. We pray that you would touch the infirmity of those who are physically or emotionally or spiritually distressed. That you'd grant your peace. That you'd help them and us to behold your beauty, even, even in this life and, of course, in the next. Because you are God, 
our hearts do not have to fear. Because you are a stronghold, we do not have to be afraid. Hear us and answer us, O Lord, for we pray not of our own accord, but in the name of that one called Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue our worship with our giving if our ushers would come forward at this time.
please be seated. Scripture lesson is found in Gospel of Matthew chapter 4, beginning at 12. And let me tell you, this is where, right after where Jesus had been baptized and uh, and you know, last week we talked about Andrew had heard John the baptizer saying that, behold, the Lamb of the world, it takes away the sins, talking about Jesus. Well, soon after that, John was arrested. And when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee. And when he did this, uh, he, he, he returned and he went and he lived in Capernaum, which is by the lake. It's a beautiful place. And it says that this fulfilled a prophecy about Jesus in Isaiah, which was this. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And from that time on, Jesus knew what his purpose was, and his purpose was to preach, and he preached a simple message, turn, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for knowing your purpose. Thank you, Lord, for giving us an example to know our purpose. And help us, O oh God, as we, we seek to live out our purpose in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, I'm kind of a history buff. I, lo I love history, all kinds of history, all different periods of history. Um, back in the days when I went to school, you could actually double minor. You could double major and double minor. And I double minored in business and uh, history majored in political science, which has helped me a lot through the years. Do, uh, but anyway, this I come across this story about World War II where, and you know, you, you, it always is incredible that anything you read about the Nazi era, it's almost unbelievable. But uh, they had set up a factory in one of the occupied countries that they had occupied. And each day the prisoners were marched into the, from the barracks into the factory where they shoveled tons of garbage uh, and this garbage was then distilled into an alcohol-based fuel additive, which was used, of course, in the Nazi war effort. Well, one day the Allied aircraft bombers flew over and destroyed the factory. Well, the next morning, the inmates were rounded up as usual, marched to the charred remains of the factory, and a Nazi officer commanded them to shovel dirt, sand that was there, uh, into their carts and, and, bar and wheelbarrows and move it to the other end of the, of the property. The next day, the same process was repeated, but this time in reverse. They were ordered to, huge, to move these huge piles of dirt and sand back to the other end of the compound. And this went on and on and on for weeks. At first, the prisoners thought it must be a mistake, but then the process continued. And in, in, in short time that followed, the, his, the historical accounts say that dozens, hundreds of the prisoners went mad. Now think about this. It seemed that they could shovel filth and waste for, for uh, use in the war effort, even though it hurt, hurt their own cause, but they, 
but they knew they were doing something productive with their lives in a way it was not busy work. But once they were given just busy work, they snapped. They snapped. And I often wonder today that there must be a lot of people who are engaged in a lot of meaningless living because there seems to be so many people who are just snapping. You cannot turn on the paper or, or the new, uh, uh, read the paper or open up the TV or look at your internet news that you can't see. People who are snapping everywhere. Now certainly we are busy people. But I guess the question must be, is all of our activity really purposeful? Or is some of our activity kind of like moving this sand pile or dirt pile from here to there? And when all is said and done, what has been the purpose of our lives? And it seemed to me like this was an important question that we should ask ourselves. Because it's important for us to find our purpose. It's important for us to know our purpose and to live our purpose. You see, Jesus understood his purpose. His purpose is very simple. He was to proclaim the coming kingdom of God. He was to tell people to turn from meaningless living and to follow him into that kingdom. And so it seems to me like what we can learn then from Jesus and is this, that if you want to find your purpose, uh, you have to follow Jesus as your leader because your leader knows his purpose. Jesus called people to a new way of looking and living life. And Jesus made it clear that there are some prerequisites to entering this new life. There's certain things you must do. And the first step, the first step is to own up to our own shortcomings, our own sinfulness, and seek the Lord's transforming hand. I guess none of you have shortcomings. I don't have any shortcomings, I'm sure. But a few years ago, Brenda and I attended a marital uh, marriage encounter weekend. I don't know if any of you have ever done something like that. If you ever get a chance, you should do it. Uh, but at first I was like, what do I need to go to a marriage encounter weekend? What, you know, I have a good marriage. I don't need to go to a marriage encounter weekend, blah, blah, blah. I don't have any shortcomings. <laughs> but somehow or another we were convinced to go. And the first, it was like, it's like a two-day thing. You have a day, you spend a night, the next day, and you're gone. So the first day, guess what? It was all about me and my shortcomings. And boy, did I find out how many shortcomings I had, you know. But the next day, it was about our spouse's shortcomings. And so it equaled out, and in the end, we got to talk about those, work through those, and, and it was really an uh, important thing. But you have to own up that you've got shortcomings, that you're not always righteous and right, and you have to be able to observe and know those things and to seek to be rid of them and to allow God to transform you. You see, without Christ, we're shackled. We're really shackled to a, a dead corpse, if you will, of our own making. Uh, but, but to find our purpose, uh, we have to follow Christ. And then, not only do we have to follow Christ, but we have to have complete confidence in Christ. I was reading about this missionary who lived many, many years ago, and he was working in, a, in a, um, an area like um, South Sea Islands areas. Uh, 
And, uh, the, and so the natives there, he was having a hard time translating the Bible to the natives, and he was stuck on this word called to trust. You know, when the Bible says, you, the Bible says a lot, you should trust in God, trust in the Lord. Uh, you, know, you know, don't worry, don't have your own understanding, you know, trust the Lord's understanding of things. But he couldn't understand, he couldn't understand how to translate these words. And so he was, he was there struggling with this, and uh, one of the islanders came in, and he tried to explain it, and the trouble was is these, is these folks were prone to violence, and so they didn't trust anybody. There was no word for trust in their language because they didn't trust each other. So he was sitting in his chair, and he leaned back in his chair. You know how you, you ever do that, where you lean back in your chair, and like on the last, you know, the back two, you know, you're kind of balancing yourself there, you know, tempting fate that you can stay that way. And anyway, that's what he was doing, and he, he looked to the, this uh, native uh, person who had been helping him who came in. He said, what am I doing right now in your language? And he said in his language, he said this word that meant to lean your whole weight upon. So, so what he was doing was he was leaning his whole weight upon. And so Patton said, thought that the missionary, this is great. I will use this to translate to trust. So think about it. That's what really to trust means. It's to lean your whole weight upon something. To lean your whole weight upon the word of God, upon the church, upon Christ Jesus. To lean your whole weight upon it. That is to trust. And you see, this is what... When you find looking for your purpose and find your purpose and living your purpose, you have to learn to put your whole weight upon Jesus. Even in the darkest times, you have to learn how to put your whole weight upon Jesus and trust that, that Jesus knows, Jesus is there, and Jesus is working all things to good to those who love him. So there's these necessary first steps are turn away from those things that entangle you, turn to God, trust God, okay? But you see, to trust God that way, you have really got to be committed. Now remember Andrew? Remember he went to Peter and they followed Jesus. First two disciples to follow Jesus. They heard Jesus. They believed his message. They turned away from their old life. They turned to a new purpose-filled life. They trusted Jesus and his cause. They were completely committed, and that's the key. You have to be committed. You can see their commitment. They gave up everything to follow him. You see, they gave up their boats. That was their means of living. They gave it up. They left. Now, Jesus may not call you to do that. Jesus might not call you to leave, up your, leave your boats, but he will call you to be willing to do what he wants you to do, how he guides you, wherever, whenever, however, whatever he might want you to do, Jesus will put that demand upon you. And for us to be purpose living, have purpose living lives, we have to trust Jesus enough and be committed enough. Uh, we have to let go of those things in our life and let Christ take over and then we'll be more committed to him and we'll be able to have a better purpose-filled life and we'll know our purpose, live our purpose. One of the interesting, um, what time is it? 
This week, I have the funniest clock. <laughs> okay, first of all, it's not, it doesn't change with daylight savings time. So it says it's like one o'clock, okay? I don't think it's one o'clock, is it? Okay, and then the other thing that it does is it runs fast or slow. I never kind of know what it's gonna do. So I'm not really sure what time it is, but somebody gave me a high sign if I get too far. You know, I haven't had a chance to preach in six, seven weeks. I told somebody this morning at the men's club, I said, I haven't had a chance to talk to anybody for weeks. And I was like talking, doing all the talking. But listen, there's a story. It's a wonderful story in history about the early days of when they discovered the Americas, right? And they sent out all these explorers and they, they were coming to, to all, all the Americas. Looking for, they were all looking for the same thing. They all thought that this place had all, just had gold laying around to pick up. You know, cities of treasures. And so Cortez, you remember him? In 1519, he had 11 ships and 700 men, and they landed on what is today called Veracruz, Mexico. They were in search of that fabled city of gold. When he unloaded the ships and the men and equipment and everything, and then they got ready to head inland, he made a very important decision. He had his boats burned. The ships were burned. Now, can you imagine being there in a new world, coming all that way across the ocean, and you're not really knowing what you're going to encounter, and your boss, your leader, had the ships burned. There was no means of retreat. They had only one direction to move, and that was into the interior, into this new world. And you see, what Cortez, Cortez understood and what he did by that, that action was he understood that for anything to be successful and to work and for us to, to do what it is, our purpose is, we have to be committed to it. Complete commitment. Now, that's complete commitment. Complete commitment when you follow Jesus is so important because, see, commitment transforms promises into realities. Commitment is the stuff characters made up. Commitment is revealed in loyalty. And Jesus calls us to commitment. You know, sometimes uh, when, when we're called to commitment, though, it, it causes us, uh, some people will be in opposition. It causes us, though, to speak the truth in love. It causes us sometimes to have to tell someone that their decision's wrong that God would not be pleased with their actions. It's important, though, to make a commitment. So let me recap. If you follow Christ to find out your purpose, to learn what, uh, what your purpose is in life, how to live that purpose, how to know that purpose, you first have to turn away what entangles you. Then you place your confidence in Christ. Then you commit to his cause then you need to be loyal to him as leader. These are the steps to find your purpose. Now, I can't tell you what your specific purpose is. But if you follow the leader, Jesus Christ, your life will begin to look like his and you'll learn your purpose. Your, Jesus' purposes will become your purpose. And once you do that, once you, you start living this kind of life, you know what? You will be able to exhibit some things that other people can't. You'll be able to proclaim hopeful possibilities. You'll be able to proclaim relationships that are healthy and whole. You'll be able to proclaim uh, that God can give you potential in this life. You will start to learn and understand that it's possible to be rid of guilt and fear 
and worry, and it's possible to be forgiven by God and have a right relationship with Him. And, and I'm not saying things will be perfect. They're not. There are plenty of dark moments. But you're not alone. God is with you, and Jesus is your help. Jesus might call you to a place where He needs you to heal the hunger of someone. Or He may call you to bear witness to someone who's downtrodden. You, be, you may become an agent of healing. Friends, this is a lost and dying world. John Wesley, our founder, who we don't talk about a whole lot, John Wesley was simply a person just like the rest of us. Happened to find himself as a priest in the Church of England. He looked around one day and he thought that the people in the church just didn't have any spirituality. They, they, they didn't have warm hearts and compassionate minds and they were just, you know, seemed like they was going through the motions. And he said, we've got to change this. And he started a renewal of the church movement. All right? And that renewal ended up being a church, then ended up being a denomination, and now it is what it is today, which is worldwide second largest Protestant denomination in the world. Now he started by saying this. Give me a hundred. Give me a hundred who hate nothing but sin and love God with all their hearts and I will shake the world for Christ. Give me a hundred who hate nothing but sin and love God with all their hearts and I will shake the world for Christ. He did it then and it seems to me like us million, millions of Methodists can do it again. We just need to refocus and follow our leader to learn our purpose, to live our purpose, to know our purpose. Amen.
Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God, and may the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit, may they be yours this day and each day. Amen. Thank you.